Welcome to the Well-Bred Rapids Message of the Week. We hope you are encouraged, strengthened, and experience the presence of God through this message by Max Johnson. Morning, everybody. You guys can have a seat. Thank you, Prophet Fuller. Thanks. Wow, one arm. That's impressive. That's perfect. Perfect is a relative term. Thanks. This is my son, Caden. For those of you that don't know. You up here, buddy? Come here. I wanted to, I had this um, memory during worship that I just wanted to share with you guys. I wanted to selflessly, come here, where you go? Oh, selflessly take a minute and uh, just encourage you with a testimony and selfishly take opportunity to publicly affirm him. Uh, We were laying in bed last two or three nights ago, putting the kids to bed, and Caden has a uh, boy in school who is kind of known for being um, aggressive and mean. I wouldn't say bully, but some might say bully. And uh, so this has kind of been a relationship that we've had for a year or two. Hey, bud, come here. Stand right here. Just stare at him. It's, it's fine. No, come here. So, um, so we've been praying for this boy for pr- probably a year and a half and just praying that God would bless him, reveal his love to him, um, bless his family, bless his parents, you know, all the kind of good stuff that you would pray. So the other night we're laying in bed and Caden says to me, um, Dad, I, I taught so-and-so how to be brave and ride the tire swing. And it's this swing at school that they play on. I said, how did you do that? He goes, well, he was on there, and I, you know, I pushed him real gentle, real slow at first, and then I pushed him harder and harder, and then until I was pushing him really hard, and we were all having fun and playing. And I was like, really, buddy? That is so awesome. I said, do you mean to tell me that you are loving your enemy and blessing those who are mean to you? And he goes, Yeah. And he says, and I taught him how to make friends. And I said, how'd you do that? He goes, well, I told him if you're just nice to people, other people will be nice to you. And I said, so you are discipling people that are mean to you, that treat you ill, right? And I I, I won't do it now, but I kind of went over, not over the top, but just affirming him with how proud of him I was. How excited of him I was. And his response was, he looked at me and he goes, I'm going to cry. So, it's, it's awesome to applaud, but it's, for me, it's a witness of just living with Jesus. Come here, bud. It's nothing that we went after. It's nothing that, I mean, that specifically was nothing that we targeted. We targeted Jesus being king of our home. And he is teaching my kids stuff that I'm really proud of. So, love you, buddy. Go head downstairs. Have fun at Firestarters, okay? Bye. Thank you, everyone, for letting me take that moment for my family. I, I, um... Actually, what hit me in worship was he's the star of the week where he, he, he puts a picture of the family and, you know, writes his favorite color and uh, 
I don't know, a bunch of stuff about who Caden is. And um, the thing that hit me in worship was, it said, one of them was like the three goals of your life or dreams for your life. And I don't remember two of them, but one of them was to be a great daddy. And his hero was Jesus. And what hit me in worship was, I had two major fears after I was born again. I had them my whole life, but as soon as I got born again, I, I became very aware. And one of them was, um, if you really knew who I was, you wouldn't love me. And the other one was that I won't be a good husband and a good father. And uh, to see my son dream about the thing that terrified me was what hit me in worship this morning. And uh, I'm so thankful to be saved, to be a part of the kingdom where stuff gets redeemed, where things get restored, where on accident you trip into blessing. It's like you just, ah, with all of our just dumb decisions that I've made and um, issues in my heart that God needed to work out and is working out, with all of my failure and my mess, I'm watching the hand of God do something in my family that I dreamed of. It's, it's above and beyond. You know that verse where it says more than you could ask or think? I'm living in it. And there was a season as a believer where that, I couldn't say that. I couldn't honestly say I know what that means. And I, I believe I'm scratching the surface of it. And it's, it is family, it's covenant, and... I'm just so blessed. I don't know how else to say. I'm having a moment where I'm like, <laughs> um, yay. But the, I'm thankful that the gospel I got born again into was, uh, you're going to be persecuted. It's going to cost you your whole life. You're going to lose everything. <laughs> Everyone's going to leave you. You're, you're going to have a, all your friends that you're close with. They're gone. Uh, thank God the man that led me to the Lord told me the truth. That before God builds a kingdom in you, he destroys hell that you've partnered with. And some of you are in a process. Some of you are in a, a place where hopefully, I, I believe it'll come out. I'm going to talk about faith this morning and, and learning how to partner our faith with what God is actually doing in our life instead of a a concept or an idea, maybe a theology that you've heard preached, but to actually engage with what he is saying to you right now, because th to be honest, everyone in the room shouldn't be in living more than, a, more than they can ask or think. I probably won't be living in it in a year from now. There's seasons to life. There's ups and downs. You need the valleys. I need the valleys to be like Jesus. I need the mountain peaks to be like Jesus. I need to learn how to walk faithfully with the Father in both of them to be like him. And that is my goal. My goal is not a successful life. My goal isn't the American dream or money or honestly even a great family. I, I, it's a waste of time to aim at that stuff. Aim at being like Jesus. And when he adds to you, you don't have to work to keep it. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> He brings it to you, and all you do is walk, and it stays. And I am, I'm learning how to trust that. So anyways, thank you. I, uh, the last couple weeks, I, I was um, praying for this, and I was asking the Lord, what are you saying? 
what's on your heart. And I, the idea popped in my head, you know, to hear what God is saying, honor what he's already said. And I thought, well, that's cool. So I ended up going back and I listened to your two, last two messages from the last couple of weeks and was honestly super encouraged. I was like working downstairs in the basement here, just getting pretty blasted in an awareness of uh, the hand of God and an awareness of the uniqueness of what is here. I feel like it would do you all a great benefit to travel. This is not normal. This is not common. I'm not dogging anybody else. I've I've got friends all over the state um, and country. Most of them are in the state. And what God is doing in this place is not common. It's very unnormal. And um, so the last, so the two weeks ago, all in faith. Two weeks ago, Matthew preached on how we're joining covenant. And because of our covenant with Jesus, we've actually been brought into covenant with his body. I would love to see us all go deeper into that. If you don't have friends that are Democrats, you're not doing that. <laughs> I, I'm being challenged this week. I'm going to kind of, I wasn't thinking I was going to share this, but, um, you know, it was easy for me to not really care about mass because it didn't cost me anything. I didn't have any family members that were, you know, all my grandparents have passed. I don't have um, close people that have, you know, that are immune compromised. I don't own a business that's getting ravaged by what's going on. Um, but a little while ago, I, I got COVID, my whole family got COVID. And there was about a three day window where I didn't know I had it, I thought I had a cold. And so we're all spending time with people. And uh, from that event, one person got it. From that one person, their family got it. From that one person, somebody was in the hospital all weekend. So that's something new that has happened in my world, just to be fully honest. I also just um, inherited a business from Jesus a couple weeks ago, and I now have employees that are immune compromised. And... That's not why I'm wearing a mask this morning. When I was around people, I did it out of honor for my leader. I was sitting there praying, should I do this? She said, she said it won't be disrespectful. I'm not telling anybody who didn't wear, I'm not saying you're disrespectful. I'm telling, talking to you about my mind. This is my world. And what I came up with was honor authority. She's my apostle. Even if I'm wrong, I'm right. And I think I'm sharing a little bit about it. I, I don't know if it's all y'all in here, if it's just everybody online, but I can feel the tension in the air, the division. And um, we're in covenant with one another. It's what Matthew preached. I'm not allowed. Like, I remember when I was first born again, I would hear people bash um, preachers. Joel Olstein is one of them. I've never met him. I've honestly never even listened to him preach. But I would hear people talk about Joel Olstein and, you know, oh, he's this prosperity preacher. He doesn't even preach the gospel, I heard people say. And I remember being like six months old in the Lord going, ah, if he's a believer, 
which if you call on the name of the Lord, if you confess Jesus as Lord, it says you, you can't do that without the Spirit. You cannot confess Jesus as Lord without the Spirit, it's First John. If he does that, then I am going to be stuck with that guy for eternity. And I do not want to get to eternity and have to repent to Joel, like find him. Heaven's huge. He's, you know what I mean? Like, I just don't want to deal with it. So as a six-month-old believer, I'm like, I'm not going to say that stuff. I won't say it because eternity is written in my heart. And I'm agreeing with eternity. And I want to propose to you, Jesus said, when it all plays out, you're going to be surprised at who's there and who isn't. It doesn't mean I'm afraid. It just means I walk in a measure, I want to walk in a measure of honor that has eternity as my goal, where I can walk into heaven's gates and I have no conflict with anyone there. A lot of us have this idea that dying and going to heaven solves all your problems, but you're, I'm not convinced that's there. I don't believe that. I don't believe death is my savior. I believe I'm being transformed into the image of his son. All right, last week, Matthew preached on honor. And uh, honor is how we keep that covenant and agreeing with what God says about someone. And um, thank you, Jesus. God honors our vets, our veterans. And uh, was it Wednesday? It was Wednesday. If you're a vet, will you stand? That was kind of cool. I don't even feel like I need to pray. (laughs) Love you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, You know, they've, uh, Bethel's seeing breakthrough in Vietnam veterans um, that have, they came home, Vietnam veterans, I wasn't around, but they, they came home and they were very judged by society, spit on. Um, they, and so what they started to do in these Sozo sessions with Vietnam vets was say, thank you for your service. And they were watching people get delivered from demons, um, watching mind, uh, brain stuff, healings come just from value and honor being communicated. Can you, can you just, never mind. It's like so simple. The kingdom of heaven is so simple. Okay. So honors how we keep covenant going. We agree with, what's God, with what God says about someone. And I believe that this morning I'm going to talk about faith. And faith is actually how we express a covenant, that we are in covenant with God. It's the outward manifestation of something that we, you know, you can talk about honor, you can see it, it's displayed towards people. But faith is actually how I express that I have a living, active relationship with God. I actually hear his voice. He says his sheep hear his voice, and they will not follow another. So I'm going to read um, from Hebrews 11, and then for the back, Romans 12 are kind of the two big spots that we're going to be in. 
But I'm going to start reading from Hebrews 11. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. By faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and through it he being dead still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. By faith, Noah prepared divinely, warned of things not yet seen. Being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive his inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. By faith, Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born as many as the stars of the sky and multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore." I read a long passage, and it, it keeps going. There's more in that chapter where whoever wrote Hebrews is reminding the reader of these um, saints of old that had gone before. And the point that I want to pull out is none of them had an opinion that they believed or adhered to. Every single one of these people in this chapter, they did something. It was an action. It was an outward manifestation of an inward belief. So I kind of want to draw a line between what we call the faith, which is Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that he uh, came as a man, that he lived a sinless life, that he died on the cross, that he was raised three days later. Those are all things that I believe and adhere to, and we call them faith. But I want to I kind of bring to the family that actual faith, that doesn't count. I'm not saying that isn't faith. I'm saying that is not a full uh, representation or picture or definition of what faith actually is. Biblical faith, as Apostle Kathy says, biblical faith always has feet. It always requires some form of active motion, some form of, it is not passive, it's not conceptual. It, it requires me to act, to do something. I think it's really cool that Abraham, the father of our faith, what he did to express his faith was he moved to a new land and he kept having sex with his wife. That's faith. I think it's cool because, well, one, the church doesn't like talking about sex. But you should actually give God your sex life and apply faith to it because 
Abraham did it. <laughs> you know, the, Isaac wasn't born like Jesus. It wasn't immaculate conception. It was, I can see some of your faces. This is really funny. <laughs> this was, <laughs> it was a man and a woman partnering with a natural act that God added a supernatural element to. And he's the father of faith. Now, can you picture how that can apply to your world? Because I think a lot of us have, we have a mindset that faith is like laying hands on the sick and seeing the cripple walk. And I, it is, I believe in that, I've seen it. But I, I wanna propose the, the, the father of faith, the foundation is a natural act that over years of faithfulness, years of, it says that if they had, if Abraham, he didn't even consider his body, he refused to allow himself to daydream about his natural condition and how inefficient he would be at making a baby. And he did it for, I think it's something like 20 years from the time he had the promise to the time he actually has the promise. Now, a lot of us are, I, I believe this matters because a lot of us short-circuit our process with God because we're waiting for some supernatural event. We're waiting for something extraordinary to happen. The heavens will open, an angel will visit me, he'll tell me to go to Africa, and then I will really be moving in faith. And I want to kind of, I want to point to the reality that you actually have faith right now. You actually are applying it in your life right now. You just might not be applying it where you want to. You might be applying it or just not using it. It might be sitting on the shelf. So we've all heard... Have you, has anybody ever heard the use it or lose it concept to faith? Okay, so, so you know, I've said it and I... I think I used to agree with it, and I am recanting right now. I don't actually believe it. That, and maybe, let me help, let me talk through it before you write me off. The use it or lose it mindset, how I have interpreted it, how I've experienced it, is faith is something that you actually have to effort towards. Faith is something like a muscle, I've heard it talked about. You have to use it. You have to strengthen yourself. And you kind of go from like a little bit of faith to, okay, I saw a breakthrough. Now I've got more. Okay, now I'm stronger. Now I've got more. Okay, but, I, but if I stop, if I take like six months off and sit on the couch, I've lost it. And I have to start back over. Can anybody at least acknowledge that's a way to think about it. That's how I've always thought of people when they're talking about use it or lose it. Now I want to read this out of Romans 12. The weird part is when I got into miracles, one of the first miracles we ever saw was a cripple get out of a wheelchair. And it was not a grow yourself into <laughs> great faith. It was like, oh my God, that happened. I I didn't know how that worked. I didn't know that was going to happen. I was pretty sure it wasn't. I just did what I, you know, saw in the videos. And, and uh, <laughs> in my brain, I'm hoping I don't burp really loud into the microphone. <laughs> Romans 12. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies 
a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, for I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith, or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but think soberly, for God has dealt each one of us a measure of faith. Romans 11.29 says that the gifts and the callings of God are irrevocable. He doesn't take them back. Faith is a gift. It's why when all of us stand before Jesus, none of us are allowed to boast. None of us are going to get to brag about how faithful we were, about what we did for him in the earth. It's all by grace and it's all through faith. And it starts with his gift of faith to you. So this idea that we use it or lose it, that we strengthen ourselves, like, I mean, this is where the whole Calvinist-Arminian thing comes from. It's because we argue about concepts that, this is Max's opinion, if both sides were honest, there's unanswered questions. It's a mystery. This faith that we have been entrusted with for the ages is called a mystery. If you have answers for all of the questions, Um, I don't think you're in faith. I think you may have built your life on an intellectual concept. And you might be right. But faith actually requires mystery. Ah. Mm. Mystery is like... I mean, to me, I th- when I think of mystery, I think of that's what it means to be called to be a child again. When you can answer all of your doctrinal stuff and you've pushed mystery out of your life, you're missing out on what it means to be a child. You're missing out on a playfulness, on a freedom. And I, you're, in, in my opinion, you're in danger of being caught in the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Which is another thought I had during worship. So you can't use it or lose it because you can't lose it. It's a gift that he doesn't take back. What you can do is choose how you apply it and what you put it in. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. 
Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all of your ways. It's this, this reality that we do have a will, and I get to choose a stronghold. I get to choose what I put my faith in, what I put my confidence in. And faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not, see, not yet seen. I would propose to you, you see people that are successful um, financially that create inventions and ideas. I believe they're doing it by faith. They have an inward witness, a gift that God has given them, an ability to know that they know that they know the world can be different. And they activate that faith in a way where they are actually pulling on unseen realities. So do you see how I'm trying? I am trying to pull us away from faith is not right doctrine. Faith is an, in the context that I'm talking about it in, faith is an active pursuit. It's a gift that he's given you to steward. We see it activated everywhere in the earth. We order stuff on Amazon that you don't see. You see a picture of it. You believe if I give them money, you don't even know who they are. But you believe you have an inward, a substance of things hoped for, an evidence of things you can't see. If I give them my money, I'm going to get something in the mail. The lottery is one of the um, most powerful pictures to me of faith. And in a, in a negative sense, of where people put their trust. So if you've ever done any reading on the lottery winners, people that actually win the lottery, the suicide rate is like five times greater. The divorce rate triples or quadruples, I think. Um, I think it's 80 or 90% of people that win the lottery are back in the same financial position they started in within five years. My perspective, my 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 thought on why that happens is because people that are playing the lottery, they have faith that money will fix their problems. They have put trust in the fact that money will, money will fix it. Money will help. Money will give me peace. Money will take away my anxiety. And then they win and you find out that's not true. Because <laughs> if anybody has gone from poor to blessed, you know, if you're anxious poor, you're going to be anxious blessed. You're, and if you're anxious poor, I believe you're going to be more anxious blessed. Money does not fix anything. Money amplifies what's already inside of you. It's like, a, it's like putting a megaphone on your heart and saying, this is what is in there. Where are you applying your faith? Like, what do you have an inward witness of that you know that you know that came from the voice of God? Not something you heard somebody preach, but your own relationship with Jesus. The reason that this matters is because that, where you have faith in that place, where you have connected with God personally, that is the only place I believe you will actually have faith that you can sustain. And I'm going to to talk about healing a little bit. When we first heard about miracles, um, I was on fire. I loved it. I still love it. I love that Jesus touches people. I I love everything about it. I'm going to confess. I I believe the Lord told me he was going to heal me this year in my secret time. I have uh, cirrhosis. I've had it for, I don't know, longer than a year. And 
it's something I, I get prayer. People say, you got skin issues? Are you sick? You know, when opportunity, I'm always, yes, pray, please. Um, this is not God's will for my life. I know that. I believe it. And I'm, the only reason I'm saying it publicly is because this is part of um, what happens when faith gets deposited in you is you start talking about it. You, you'll notice out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So he'll actually deposit things in you that you can't help but communicate. Um, so one way to find out what you're actually putting your faith in is what are you talking about? I've, I've, I watch in, in a lot of the Christian circles, it's easy, it's easy for a lot of what we talk about to be about our life. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, I'm, you know, I need breakthrough in this area or I need this for my family or I need this for that. And I am all for that. I, I want as much breakthrough as is available. I believe what God is looking for is people that'll take the time to sit and listen to the rest of the stuff that's on his heart. Because we are at a, we're at like critical mass. There is such a swing opportunity, and I don't mean swing state politically, I mean swing opportunity for people to get put into positions of great influence, to see the kingdom released in, in, in greater ways than I believe any generation has ever seen. And God is looking for people that will take the time to sit with him alone until you deal with the things that you're personally concerned with. He's not annoyed by them. He's not frustrated by the stuff that's in your heart. I'm just encouraging us as a family to take the time, sit with him until you run out of stuff that's about you and start to receive promises that are bigger than you. Start to receive promises over our nation. Start to receive promises over the revival that's been prophesied. Oh, man. I can feel his heart, the way that he longs. It's like, have you ever been in a relationship where you can't ever, you can't ever say what's in your heart? That's how he feels right now. He's looking for a place. Where can I unload the dreams that I have had for ages? It's the mystery of the ages. He has actually said in his word that he will reveal mysteries upon the church that shock and awe angels. <laughs> If we're not in that, we're missing something. There is so much more available, and it's through our faith. Okay, so how do you get your faith applied in that way? But the hour, this is John 4, but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. This is probably one of my favorite verses. And when it says that those, he, it, he's not looking for worship, he's looking for those to worship him. Like he's not, he doesn't need it, <laughs> it doesn't make him feel better about himself. But he is looking for those that will partner with the Spirit of God in worship. You can feel it shift in the room. Every Sunday, it's all great. We all come in. We got stuff we're bringing. And we get in unity. This is why confession, I mean, to me, this is how I think about worship. We're all confessing the same thing together. It's one of the things that brings breakthrough. It is, it is arts and creativity and the song and there's an emotional element where it touches our soul, but there's an agreement that comes from in unity declaring one sound, one message. Just Jesus, this is who you are. 
But in that, he's looking for us, and you feel the shift is what I was starting to say. You feel the shift where we start to be led by the Spirit into worship. I don't think that means just when we start to pray in tongues, but I believe it's when he comes in as the conductor, and you can feel it. You feel this weight, this presence, this, I, I, am, I am not directing this show anymore. Not that I ever am. You guys do a great job. But Jesus, you know what I mean? He comes in. Ah. Okay, the other part about the verse is it says that we worship him in spirit and truth. And the word truth could or should be translated nothing hidden. And this is, if I have anything to say this morning, this is what I'm going after. It's that we as a family would be encouraged, invited, exhorted uh, to worship God with nothing hidden. And I promise you, y'all got stuff hidden. It's not bad. It's not, he's not mad. It's not guilty. I say it. No, nothing hidden to me means, you know, when I come into a room, he says that if you have offense or ought against anyone, stop worshiping me. Leave and go to your brother. If you are offended, if you have a, a, a burden, a judgment in your heart towards another person, my Bible says you're not even allowed to worship. You are supposed to stop, leave that environment, and deal with your issue with the person, fix it, and then come back in. I've, I've left Sundays to call my wife. <laughs> to go into the, other, you know, I mean, I can't do it. I cannot worship him. I can't like, oh, glory, look at me. I was, oh, did you see it? I caught it. I was a jerk this morning. No, I wasn't actually this morning. I was really good. But I've left the room because I can't sing to him when I have treated her as less than a gem, less than an equal heir. You know, the scripture says, husbands, love your wives, treat them as an equal heir to salvation or your prayers won't be answered. I saw a book on your shelf. We were at Lewis's house for dinner. It was awesome. He made chicken something, chicken stir fry. or It was really good. Jake's a great cook. And I saw a book on your shelf, and it was called Unconditional. I don't know what the book is. I didn't pick it up, but the Lord's been talking to me about it for days. And he's been bringing up this question, is the gospel unconditional? Is what's been going on in my heart? And I'm like, I thought so, but I've got a lot of verses that say no. <laughs> and I'm finding more and more. Like, if you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father. If you don't confess me before men, I will not confess you before my Father. Now, the love of God is unconditional. The love of God is not based on you and I. He, he, he murdered his son already to prove that. But the gospel is unconditional, is Conditional. Anyway, where was I going? Nothing hidden. Nothing hidden. Do you know what it's like to be fully known by God? I know what it's like in moments. Like, I know what it feels like to be fully, fully laid bare, just ripped open. Sometimes it's painful, sometimes it's peaceful, sometimes it's amazing. 
Sometimes it's terrible and you feel like you're going to die. But like you, you can't keep secrets. And I don't want to keep secrets. I trust him. He's a good dad. I'm, I'm convinced if we'll take the time to sit in his presence. He says, whatsoever you desire when you pray, ask and it will be given to you. Like, pay attention to what you want while you're with him. Because that might not be a distraction. It might not be the devil. It might actually be him communing with your heart and letting you express that to him. And what I believe we're being invited into, not just at this church, but as the body of Christ, is we're being invited into a bridal relationship. Wow. Um, we start as slaves to righteousness. When you're born again, you're a, you were a slave to sin, and then you are a slave to righteousness. And depending on how you interact with God, if you're not born again, you're a slave to sin. You're going to hell. I don't, I don't mean to be mean. I mean to be honest. Like if I was on the way to hell, I would want someone to tell me that. I would want someone to offend me because the truth actually offends you before it sets you free. It actually confronts strongholds, belief systems that are keeping you from all that God has for you. Okay? But once you're born again, you're a slave to righteousness, which means you have this inward bent towards what is good. And how you respond relationally to God determines if you graduate from slaves to friends. Jesus actually says, I no longer call you slaves because a slave doesn't know what the master is doing, but now I call you friends. There is a promotion relationally. What I'm trying to say is I believe we're getting into a season where the body of Christ is being promoted from friends to the bride. And the bride is going to have to start to share her heart with her husband in a way that she never has before in order for us to see the kingdom come and his will be done in a way that's unprecedented. And I'm going to show you in the scriptures. The kingdom of heaven is not eating and drinking, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Jesus said in John 16, in that day you, in that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. The way that God defines joy, our joy, is answered prayer. It's actually us coming and asking the Father for things in the name of Jesus, seeing those things manifested and fulfilled on the earth, and that's what God says is our joy being made full. Okay? Paul says that that is what the kingdom of heaven is. The kingdom of heaven is righteousness, peace, and joy. A third of the kingdom of heaven is you getting answered prayer. <laughs> if you aim at the desires of your heart, you'll miss them. If you aim at relationship, covenantal relationship with Jesus, he adds all of these things unto you. And I feel like I am here to just deposit a provoking into the secret place 
that you and I would spend the time necessary to sit in his presence. And what that looks like for me is I sit and then my kids crawl in my lap. Or I sit and my kids, you know, beat the tar out of each other in the other room and somebody starts screaming. Or nobody's awake at 5 a.m. when I wake up until I start to pray and then Beckham starts screaming upstairs. There's always something that happens to rob me, not all the time, but a lot of the time, to rob me of secret place. So you go and you deal with the crying baby. Then I go sit some more. And then, for me right now, it's business will pop, and I'll have this giant to-do list of things that I need to take care of for my business to succeed. And what I do is I write it all down as fast as I can, and then I push it aside. And then I sit there some more. And then I'll start to remember people and relationships and stuff that y'all are going through. I'm, I'm watching this increase that has hit me this year where I, you, you don't know it because I don't tell you often, but I'm praying for things. God is showing me stuff weeks or days ahead of time. And then I get a call or an email and somebody says, hey, this is what I'm going through. And I go, yeah, I know. I've been praying for you for two weeks or whatever. And it's because I'm spending time sitting with Jesus and letting him share with me what's in his heart. And what I am receiving right now from this morning is there is more. There is a worldwide transformation available for those that will continue to sit until he starts to reveal secrets to us. And it is the hardest thing in the world for me to do is to keep that place private, to keep it holy, to keep it um, uh, intentional, to keep it consistent. Honestly, it's just so easy to get distracted. Bless you, Esther. Thank you for the long pause. I'm, uh, I'm just hungry to see people spend that time. And when you come out of it, I, I think it's impossible to walk offended when you've spent time with Jesus. I think it's impossible to, to live with disunity from other believers when you've spent time with Jesus. If you are finding in this season offense and division and that thing that comes to separate you from people that you used to love and honor, I just encourage you to spend time with Jesus. It's, it is the only answer. He is the only one that can work out the questions, the concerns, the issues of the heart. You talking to people about it, you, sh- you know, having the one-on-one meetings with the person you're offended with honestly won't help as much as just sitting with him and letting him deal with the reason it's there to start with. So I'm going to pray, and then I think I'm done. Father, I thank you for this. Um, I thank you for the increase that I, I see it coming. I don't know if it's, I mean, I believe it scripturally is here, but I believe it's coming of a bridal invitation to know you in a way that, that I have not to be able to sit with you in ways and share what's on my heart and hear what's on your heart and watch you do your will in the earth. God, I thank you for everyone here this morning. I thank you for um, the miracles that are happening among us, the increase of your presence, of the testimony that you're alive. 
I honor the work that you're doing here. I'm so thankful for it. And God, I pray that this week we would, um, we would have a heightened awareness, a heightened expectation of what it is that you want to speak to us in secret. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you were impacted by this message. For more information about The Well Grand Rapids, please visit our website at www.thewellgr.com.